0: Well, uh, good morning, High Life, and uh, welcome uh, to our service uh, this morning. Um, As you, as you just saw, uh, advertised, uh, um, Pastor Nida has come out with with an excellent book uh, called um, "Visions and Dreams for for the Last Days" or "Of the Last Days." Uh, It's a series of incredible visions uh, which the Lord gave her, um, preparing the church of the last days uh, for exciting days ahead. Uh, The book was released uh, a few months ago. Uh, But now we have released the audiobook. I'd like to recommend it highly that you all get a copy, uh, listen to it in your cars, listen to it when you're lying down, and you would find yourself being expanded into a new framework of operation. It's very important that we don't um, limit our experience of God to our past experiences. Uh, It's important that we're always open to the Lord revealing to us uh, more of himself, because I believe he's equipping us. Uh, like never before for the last days, we are the church of the last days, and the Bible says that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. Um, now we're going to get into the word. As you know, uh, we had an exciting time um, at Parousia, um at the end of January, and um, since then uh, we've been looking at some practical ways of engaging the realm of the spirit: how to see and how to hear. And we've we were very particular about making them very practical. Uh, because it's it, the, the, the sessions that we're going through, the whole point of us getting together and gathering, apart from fellowship, is to receive equipment. And equipment uh, needs to be functional. It needs to be operational. So uh, I want to encourage us uh, to understand that the Lord does not cast his pearls before swine. Uh, the Lord does not just dispense of revelation truth uh, just so that you and I can have greater understanding. That understanding has a purpose. That purpose is for application, uh, to prepare us uh, for the days ahead and to gather in the harvest uh, which belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to press into this in greater measure because as you know, uh, this year is the year of the kingdom builders uh, where mature sons are going to perceive uh, into the realm of the spirit and receive insight and understanding and ability um, to build life-giving institutions Uh, that bring heaven to us so we're going to press into that in uh, a great way this year i hope you're excited uh because god is already beginning to do things in our lives he's already beginning to inspire us and give us equipment that if we use and leverage the grace that is available to us in the season we will indeed by the end of this year have uh vehicles of life that the lord's grace has enabled us to build so we're going to press into this this morning i for a couple of sessions, I'm going to be teaching on living the ascendant life of faith. Living the ascendant life of faith. You know, the Bible says in, in Colossians 3 that since that we have, we've been raised together with Christ, we should set our affection on things that are above. So everything we operate from needs to be from above. And um, uh, the subject of faith is a vital subject, uh, and we need to understand that It leads to an ascendant life, and and that's what we're going to be exploring um, over a couple of sessions. So let us pray. Let's bow our heads uh, for a word of prayer. Father, we're so thankful. Uh, We're thankful because uh, the entrance of your word gives light. Uh, The entrance of your word gives light, O God. And and it, it brings us into a place of greater wisdom. It gives understanding to the simple. So, Lord, we submit our hearts before you. And we ask, O God, that through the spirit of wisdom, uh, uh, we will come into the revelation of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Open our hearts, O God, that we we may behold wondrous things out of your word, that we may truly be transfigured into the image of the risen Christ. Lord, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I mentioned, we are going to be teaching on living the ascendant life of faith, not understanding the ascendant life, but living the ascendant life of faith. Um, there are four verses of scripture that essentially repeat the same thing about faith. Uh, I'll start by reading two, and then we will we will spend a lot more time dissecting um the last two uh let's open our bibles to romans uh, chapter 1 verse 16. Uh, i read from the new king james it says for i am not ashamed the apostle paul says of the gospel of christ for it is that's the gospel it is the power of god to salvation for everyone who believes for the jew first and also for the greek for in it The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live the faith. It says the righteousness of God through the power of the gospel is revealed from faith to faith. It births faith in us and it leads into greater dimensions of faith. He says, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now he's quoting uh Habakkuk to verse 4, which we would look at later on. But he says, the just shall live by faith, and that is why the gospel is all about starting from faith and living to into greater or leading into greater dimensions of faith because of how fundamental. It is um, for the righteous. For without faith, according to this verse, the righteous cannot live. Because the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. In Galatians three eleven, it says, But that no one is justified, no one, no one, no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. So you obey every law of scripture. You obey every law of righteousness. And it is is right, because righteousness not only is a state of rightness, but it produces in us the capacity to act righteously and be right in all things that we do. But it says that, no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. So justification, acceptance by God, living the life of Christ is by faith and by faith alone. In fact, in Romans chapter 1 verse 16 that we just read, uh, the, transla- or the Way of translation of that statement, the just shall live by faith, um, Puts it this way, It is. it says, for it is from the soil of faith, it is from the soil of faith that the righteous shall grow up into real life. It is from the soil of, of faith. You, you, you know, every seed to germinate must have some kind of soil, some kind of basis for nutrition. In hydroponics, you know, there is there is there is a, a substance that the seed is put into, okay, to receive nourishment. It says faith is like soil. And in order for the righteous to grow up into real life, we must be immersed in the soil of faith. <clears throat> so this is not something that we just do. This is not just something that we just know. This is fundamental for our operation. Because living here, as this translation elucidates, is not just having life, but it says you will grow into real life, into the full expression of the dimensions of the God kind of life, which we call the abundant life or the high life. It is through it is from the soil of faith and therefore it is important that we understand what faith is it is important that we understand what faith is what faith is you know in a world in which you know terms or terminologies or the meaning of things change over time um, It is important that we understand what faith is. Not what we call it, but what it actually is. Because it is this faith that will lead us into real life. You know, there's no better verse, in my view, that defines what faith is for us. And I I believe that that is where we must begin. Uh, Because the days in which we live, The days that are ahead are days in which a people that understand the faith of God will overcome. Because the Bible says in 1 John 5, 4, that whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Which resonates exactly with what Wade teaches us about Romans 1, 17 that it is from that soil. It is from that soil. It is the key to overcoming. It is the key to uh, an ascended life. It is a key to rising above the clouds like every power plane can do and enjoying a dimension of freedom and peace where uh, lesser mortals are struggling in the the darkness of the clouds it is the difference between darkness and light yeah it says this is the victory and as somebody that is born of God you have the capacity to overcome but only if you are living by faith living by faith so it's important that we define what faith actually is from God's perspective as opposed to what um, people say to each other, <laughs> um, let us look at what God says. And like I said, I, I don't know of any verse that that directly defines faith um, better than um, Hebrews chapter 11. So let us go there um, this morning. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. I read from the New King James, and then I'll read a few other verses. And like I said, we're... we're we're engaging with this from a practical perspective okay from a life perspective we need to be prepared to adjust our theology adjust our orientation adjust our understanding hallelujah hebrews 11 one says now faith is the substance of things hoped for it is the evidence of things not seen, it is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, unless you are reading this in the Greek, or unless you were born in 1611, um, where the King James was originally written, so you understand uh, the significance of each of those words. It is very difficult to understand to have a working understanding of faith um, just by reading that verse. Okay. Because there's a lot of old English in there, um, there are a lot of concepts that we don't necessarily engage with with our current um, experience of life and use of language. So in order to understand what faith is, we must look at all the translations, um, especially those that are more modern, that put, uh, convey the same concept in our own um, with words that are familiar to us. Because this is important, because this is the soil from which we grew up into real life. And this is how we overcome. So I'm going to read the Weymouth translation of Hebrews 11. It says, faith is the well-grounded assurance of that for which we hope. And a conviction of the reality of things which we do not see. Faith is the well grounded assurance. Okay? So, for faith to be anything, there must be a foundation, a solid foundation for it. Why do you believe what you believe? What is the solid foundation for it? Why do you believe it is well, for instance? You know, there are a lot of things that the devil hears us say and he laughs. A lot of things that have been conveyed in the name of faith that have nothing to do with faith. It is well. You know, when most people say that, they don't realize that the person that we are quoting that said that in Second Kings, when she said it is well, what she meant was, I am not going to tell you what the problem is because you can't help me. Uh, husband or servant, the person that is going to help me, that I'm going to, I'm going to convey the agony I'm feeling, is not you. You will just depress me. So as far as you're concerned, it is well. I don't want to talk to you. Okay, uh, that was not an expression of faith because when she got to the man of God, she complained bitterly and said, "Why did you give me a son um, when uh, when he was just going to die?" Okay. Um, so we say a lot of things. In the name of faith, I hear people say things like, "You know, uh, I am, I, you know, I am, I am, I am, do, I am very strong right now." You know, meanwhile they, they are sick and they don't they don't come to work. So I say I can't come to work because I am I am strong. That is all nonsense. Okay, those are things that we say that the devil laughs. All right, it says faith is the well grounded assurance. There's a well-grounded assurance for faith to be in a place. There must be a well-grounded assurance of that for which we hope. Faith is different from hope. We hope to be healed. We hope it is going to be well with us. But if it is hope alone, it has no power in it. No overcoming power. No grounding for growth. It says faith is the well-grounded assurance of that for which we hope for. So when faith is in the place, there is a foundation that produces confidence. Faith is not confidence, but it produces confidence because it is based on a well-grounded assurance and a conviction of the reality of things which we do not see. So for faith to be in operation, there must be a well-grounded assurance. When it is interrogated, you will find out that there's a reality, there's a conviction of reality of things we do not see. Yeah, a conviction, a conviction. You know, the Apostle Paul said we have the same spirit of faith. And that's why we are always confident. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, there's a conviction of the things, which of the reality of things which do not see. If there's no conviction of reality, if there's no well-grounded assurance, there is no faith there. No overcoming faith. So we're just defining what it is. Yeah, So that in our hearts, um, when the, the imitations are, are, are presented to us, um, we know that they are not the real thing. If somebody comes and says, I, I have faith for this, uh, and you ask them, what is your well-grounded assurance? And they can't produce it. There is no faith there. It doesn't matter how many times they confess. It doesn't matter how bold they are. There is nothing there. Okay, there's no well ground. What is the grounding for this? What is your confidence on, of, of this? How can you assure? What is your, what is your proof, proof of this? Yeah, what's your proof? What is your conviction of the reality? You know, most people will say, well, that is negative confession. No, it isn't. Faith must be interrogated. The foundation of faith must be interrogation. The basis of conviction must be interrogated. Just because you are convinced does not mean that you have a foundation for it. You know, there were a lot of people that were convinced that jesus would come back um, at the turn of the century they sold everything they had there's no faith there there was hope there was denial because there was no reality behind it okay so weymouth begins by helping us he says faith is the well-grounded assurance of that for which we hope okay it was, it would it would it would uh, it, it, it would stand up to scrutiny It's not going to be intimidated by questions. There's a conviction of reality of things we do not see. Let us look at the Amplified version of Hebrews 11, verse 1. The Amplified says, now, now, faith. You see, I I like how all the translations, when talking about faith, say, now, faith, now, faith. You see, hope is always about the future, but faith is always about the now. It is always about a well-grounded assurance now. It's not an assurance you're going to have. You have that assurance now. It is a conviction now of the reality of things, a conviction now of of reality. And and that, that conviction will stand up to scrutiny. The Amplified says now, faith is the assurance, the title deed. The confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed. <laughs> it says, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. It says, faith is the assurance, the title deed. You know, I like the, the word title deed that is inserted by the Amplified because it, it, it conveys what that word assurance means. Uh, assurance means, yeah? The foundation, hypostasis, the substance, the substance, the, the foundation on which we are resting. It says it's the title deed. I like the word title deed because a title deed... Um, if you ever um, bought a property or a piece of land, um, you know, in, in Nigeria, um, for instance, you know, your title deed on a piece of land is like the C of O, your certificate of occupancy, um, uh, even though the way we operate in Nigeria is really more like a lease. But, but it is a legal document that demonstrates that that piece of land is actually yours. When, when you have a C of O, Or a title deed it is proof that what you hoped for is finally yours you know there's such a long convoluted process to produce to get in a title deed in nigeria you actually actually have paid for the land and and then you you know you go through a process of 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 registration and and it could take years but even though you paid for the land until you have your title deed you're not convinced that it is yours But once you receive that title deed, it is final proof that what you are hoping for is finally yours. Now, it says faith is that assurance. Faith is that title deed. So when faith is in a place, there is rest. When faith is in a place, there is rest. Because once you receive a title deed, you instantly have rest. So we see that if there is no rest there, faith is not there faith is not there what might be there is hope because hope is the thing that that tracks circumstances you know you are more hopeful when things look good you are less hopeful when things look bad hope tracks circumstances but when faith is in a place there is a title d there is proof that what you were hoping for is now yours even though you are not standing on the land once you receive you might even be in a different country but once you receive the title deed of your property. You let's say, for instance, you bought um, a land or a house in Nigeria, and let's say you live in South Africa, and um, you know, and, and you know that the process is underway, and and you haven't seen the land, but they've sent you images online, etc. You know, with the uh, coordinates and all that, and, and then one day you go to the post box in your house in SA. And you open an envelope and you see the title deed. Your name is written on it. You know, when you receive that title deed, it brings joy and rest. Even though you're in a different country, you are convinced that what you were hoping for now belongs to you. It says faith is that title deed. Even when there is no physical evidence. Even when you're not standing on that land. Even when, you know, um, um, you know, even though there's no physical evidence. Uh, Once you receive the title deed, there is joy, there is rest, and there is an assurance. It says faith is the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for. When you have faith, you you don't need to hope again. yeah, Because faith um, is the reality that what what you hoped for is now yours. 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 Hallelujah. And you enter into that reality until the circumstances conform uh, to that which you have experienced and received the title deed for. Um, It says, now faith is the assurance, the title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. You know, verse 2 says, for by this kind of faith, this kind of faith, the men of old gained divine approval. You know, there's so many kinds of faith. Uh, There is natural faith. There is human faith. Uh, There is weak faith. There is, you know, there are all kinds of faith. There are things that are not faith that are called faith. But it says it is by this kind of faith, a a faith that is the title deed, a faith um, that has evidence of things not seen, a conviction of reality. Uh, It is that kind of faith that we're talking about that gains divine approval, yeah, this is the kind of faith that the that, that, that righteous grew up in and experienced real life. It is the kind of faith. There's confidence. There's an assurance. There's there's proof. There's reality that undergirds it, and, and, and therefore there is peace. Lastly, let us look at Hebrews chapter 11 again in the Passion Translation. Uh, we, we need to define and understand what the, the kind of faith we're talking about and what that faith is so that um, as we press into uh, into this, um, we we can we can judge ourselves and, and see where we're at, and when we're not in the right place, we can we can take actions that reposition us uh, into where we need to be about any aspect of our lives. You you know, I'm just being reminded um, of how the Bible says that um, um, in in Hebrews. Um, chapter 1, verse 3, you know, where it says that Jesus is the brightness of the glory of God and the express image of his person. And he upholds all things by the word of his power. He upholds all things by the word of his power. You, you, you know, when you, when you begin to operate um, by the faith of God, you'll uphold all all things in your life by by the word of his power by the word of his power your life would be upheld the affairs of your life would be upheld by the word of his power it doesn't matter what circumstances look like there'll be peace because your words will release faith that upholds all things that pertain to you yeah and, and that is the dimension of life Jesus doesn't wake up in the morning I'm thinking about, you know, how, whether the sun will rise or the sun will set or whether the things that he put into into operation in the beginning of time will still be functioning. Because his word that created all things sustains all things. And he doesn't need to speak again. His word that created all things sustains all things. And that is how you and I are going to live, where all things in our lives, because we operate the faith, all things in our lives are sustained, are held up and held together by words that were released from the dimension of ascendant faith. Hebrews 11, verse 1, the Passion Translation says, Now, 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 faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things that we long for (laughs) it's that soil it says faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for it is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. You know, it is clear from all these translations that the dimension that faith operates in is the dimension of spiritual reality. Yeah, the dimension that faith operates in is the dimension of spiritual reality. All the verses, uh, New King James says, it is the reality of things we do not see. The Amplified says, um, it is the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. The Passion says it is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. So, in the operation of faith, there must be an engagement with things that are not on this side of eternity. The faith that overcomes the world always engages. With substance that is in another realm that is in another realm and we're going to spend time we have a whole chapter in Hebrews 11 that gives us examples of uh, men and women that operated this kind of faith that gained divine approval and we're gonna we're gonna look through their lives yeah, we have examples of that. And every single one of them took actions. They took actions in this realm of time that demonstrated a conviction. All of them took actions in this realm of time that demonstrated a conviction of reality that was not in time. So this kind of faith that receives divine approval always engages with spiritual substance. If it's not engaging with the reality of spiritual substance, it is not faith. It is not faith. We're not here making good confessions. We're not here, this is not, uh, uh, you know, a uh, motivational speaking um, thing we're talking about. It's not about motivational speaking, it's not about anything that makes you feel good. It is about a people that take action, that demonstrate a conviction based on engagement with spiritual reality. Um, These people, some of them embraced death with joy some of them embraced losses with joy. Uh, some of them confronted kings with courage and boldness, even though they could have been beheaded. Some of them uh, uh, entered into lions' dens and entered into fire. Yeah. Embracing understanding that they may not be delivered, but they, they, they pressed into, uh, they took actions that demonstrated a conviction of a greater reality. They, they live by a different code because they were, they were engaging with that which is invisible. Okay, that is what faith is. That is what faith is. And when you interrogate their actions, it was always based on a well grounded foundation. It was always based on a conviction. And it wasn't just a hopeful conviction, it was a conviction based on insight and understanding. Okay? They lived by a different code. And that's why Hebrews 11 says that they were people of whom the world was not worthy. Yeah? That is the faith. That overcomes and produces a conviction of the reality of what we do not see so the men of old and the women of old um, chronicled in Hebrews 11 operated this kind of faith this kind of ascendant faith that obtained divine approval and they were able to fulfill the purpose of God in their their generation. An engagement to a dimension that it produced a well-grounded assurance, even when there was no evidence from a physical perspective of the reality of those things. So the question is, the things that we are moving towards by faith is the foundation a well-grounded assurance or merely a hope that all will be well um how do we tell the difference uh, we need to interrogate the basis of our confidence we need to interrogate our foundation the basis of our conviction what is the basis of that conviction what is the basis of that confidence? You know, let's look at a few quick examples of this. Look at the life of an Abraham, for instance, that the Bible speaks uh, or attests to being the father of faith. If you look at Genesis 15, I'll start reading from verse 1. It says sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abraham, for I will protect you and I will reward you and your reward will be great. Verse 2 says, But Abraham replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you give me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant um, in my household will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. You you see how engagement with God redefines our assumptions about who we are and what we are called to do and achieve. Yeah, Engagement with God. You see, this was a new thought that Abraham had as a result of engagement with God, engagement with the realm of the Spirit. It changed. When was the last time? Your engagement with God, your engagement with his word changed your perspective? Or are you holding on to your well-formed beliefs and assumptions that have been based on experiences of pain in the past? The Lord said, no, Eliezer of Damascus. You see, Abraham had written his will. Abraham had seen the future, and in that future he had no child. In that future, Eliezer was going to inherit all his wealth because of something God did not do. How many of us are secretly um, holding on to grievance with God um, in our hearts, uh, but accepting uh, the the result of that grievance? But engagement with God in, in humility and openness brought about a redefinition in Abraham's life. Verse five said "Then the Lord took him on an adventure. The Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord and the Lord counted it as righteousness because of his faith. That's not the end of the story. He says, then the Lord said, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram replied, all sovereign God, how can I be sure? That I would actually possess it. How can I be sure? You you see, for there to be faith, there needs to be a well-grounded conviction. A well-grounded conviction. You you know, you see that the Lord had spoken to him, but he needed to interrogate this. He needed to be persuaded. He needed to be convinced. He needed a well-grounded conviction of the conditions, if there were any, of the reality of this. We see it was a process. It wasn't just, oh, have faith, Abraham. The Lord did not rebuke him for that. But but Abraham continued to engage the realm of the Spirit, to bring his heart. You know, a lot of times we are, we are disconnected with our hearts or from our hearts. We, 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 don't, we don't actually admit to what is going on in there. We almost feel as though admitting to how you really feel on the inside is a lack of faith. It isn't. It isn't. In fact, not admitting to where you're at on the inside, will deny you your opportunity to engage with spiritual substance that will bring you to a place of conviction. Okay, We keep saying the right words, but our words are not in resonance with our hearts. And that's why actions are not congruent with what we claim we believe. That's why people don't show up for work. Because they say they are well, um, but yet they have run a high fever, and, and and they don't believe otherwise. That's why people. That's why the work of our hands are shoddy. That's why we don't we don't uh, engage in intellectual rigor. We don't believe that the gift of a man will make room for him, because if we believed it, we will spend more time and attention. We will pay more attention to the works that carry our name. We make the confessions, but but. We are not accepting the fact that on the inside, uh, we are wary and we don't believe. And we are not, therefore, going on a spiritual journey of engagement that would allow the Lord to bring us to that place of conviction. He said, Oh sovereign Lord, how will I know that I will actually possess it? And the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer. Bring me a heifer. And, and the Lord took him through this covenant process. And if you go down um, to verse um, verse 18, it says the Lord made a covenant with Abraham that day. You see, this covenant that the Lord made with Abraham was to bring Abraham to that place of internal conviction. He used terminology. He used symbolism that Abraham um, could understand to bring his heart to that place of conviction and that place of assurance. Because in Abraham's day, when you cut a covenant of blood, you were saying... if you did not fulfill that covenant you would kill yourself so god was essentially using abraham's norms to to validate or to bring abraham's heart to that place of conviction and assurance god did not need to walk through um sacrifices of blood to to obligate himself to fulfill his word for abraham or to abraham because his word is his covenant Alright? His word is his covenant. Um, God is not man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he would do it. If he spoke it, he will bring it to pass. So, he had already obligated himself by his word. Because he exalts his word above his name. But he, he took Abraham through a process of conviction. Because without faith, it would be impossible for Abraham to... To lay hold of the spiritual substance, of the spiritual reality, uh, and walk through that to the place of fulfillment. So, So Abraham's heart had to come to that place of conviction, which is what faith is. And that's why when we read Romans 4, we understand why Abraham was fully persuaded. He was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he would also perform. That is why, against hope, he believed in hope because, on the inside, he had an assurance, a founded, a well-grounded assurance about what God had said. Do you have a well-grounded assurance that is not going to track the circumstances of life? Do you have a a well-grounded assurance about your future? Do you have a well-grounded assurance about your prosperity? Do you have a well-grounded assurance? What is that assurance based on? What 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 is the result? What what is that assurance the result of? What spiritual engagement has brought you to that place of conviction where you are able to smile even though everything around you looks like it's going wrong? You know. Let's look at another example uh, of this in in Judges chapter six. I really like um, the Judges 6 example, and I've, I've talked about uh, the life of Gideon many times in the past, um, because I just find it such to be such a, 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 um, a significant story, a significant story. And we know the story. I'm just going to go straight into the aspect I want to bring out um, this morning. You know, the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon and said, you mighty man of valor, and, and and, and through engagement with the word of the Lord, you know, he began, he began to come into an understanding of God's purpose. Just like you have been engaging with the Lord in fasting and prayer and you've been receiving revelation, you've been receiving, you know, there's been an enlightenment again old visions have been rekindled, old um, old um, 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 prophecies are, are, be, are coming back into the sphere of your remembrance. You have been reminded of the word of the Lord that he had spoken to you years ago. Um, uh, doors that you had shut are, are beginning to open again. And you are starting to engage with that, okay? Um, but, but it's a process, it's a process of engagement but it must lead us to a well-grounded conviction. We we, we must begin to see the reality of these things, okay, to the point where um, things that are happening on the outside do not come on the inside and change our perspective. A well-grounded conviction. And in the life of, of, of Gideon, we see that as a process. It was a process of continuous engagement with spiritual reality. That is where faith comes from. It, is, it operates in an ascendant domain. It does not come from the encouragement of people. It does not come from the encouragement of circumstances. In fact, there is no evidence in the physical yeah, of, of the reality of that spiritual substance. The reality only comes by engagement with spiritual substance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, and, and the Lord spoke these words to Gideon, but it was a process. And that's why in Judges chapter 6, after he had heard the word of the Lord, after the Spirit of God had come upon Gideon in verse 34, it says that the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power, and he blew a ram's horn uh, uh, as a call to arms, uh, and the men of the clan of Abiezer came to him. Okay, uh, and he sent messengers throughout Manasseh, Asia, Zebulun, Naphtali, summoning uh, the warriors, and all of them responded. You know, so he began to move in this direction based on the revelation he had received. Verse 36 says Then Gideon said to God, If you are truly going to use me to rescue Israel, as you've promised, prove it to me this way. I'll put a wolf fleece on the threshing floor tonight. If the fleece is wet with dew um, in the morning, but the ground is dry, then I will know that you are going to help me rescue Israel as you've promised. And that is just what happened. When Gideon got up um, early the next morning, he squeezed the fleece and wrung out a whole bowl full of water. Then Gideon said to God, please don't be angry with me, but let me make one more request. Let me use the fleece for one more test. This time let the fleece remain dry while the ground Around it is wet we do So that night, the Lord did as Gideon asked. The fleece was dry in the morning, but the ground was covered with dew. So we see a process of engagement. He did not take his doubts to his neighbor, to his friend. Uh, he did not take, be, be, be careful who you surround yourself with, be careful who you share your vision with. He did not take his doubts. It's okay to have doubts. But but it's important to take those doubts to God. It's important you take those doubts into the secret place and continue to engage with the Lord. How shall these things be? Given that I know not a man, like Mary said, engage with spiritual reality because for faith to be there, there must be a well-grounded conviction. If you're not convinced on the inside, believe you me, the devil will, will, will use circumstances and people um, um to change your mind on the outside okay for faith to be there there must be a well-grounded conviction based on engagement with spiritual reality based on engagement with spiritual reality if, if you look at even chapter 7 we see this constant process it says um that night the lord said to gideon go up, go down into the Midianite camp For I have given you the victory over them. But if you are afraid to to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura. Listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. So Gideon took Pura and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. What does this mean? It means that this process of conviction hasn't been completed yet hallelujah it was a process but he kept engaging with god and god kept engaging with him god will continue to engage with you as we engage with him to bring you to that place of a well-grounded conviction so you can stand as a warrior in this time and 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 you can respond to the shout of the king and attack and 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 recover all according to your destiny that he has purpose for you but there must be a a well-grounded conviction and he went to the enemy camp. Verse twelve says, "The armies of, of Midian and Amalek and the people of the east uh, were settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts." And we know the story. Uh, one soldier told another uh, and talked about the dream that they had had and how God was going to take over through the uh, the might of Gideon. And it gave him encouragement. And he, he 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 was fortified with strength and courage. And he stood with his three hundred and did the impossible. Attacked. And recovered all that belong to Israel, but the, but the focus is that for faith to be there, there must be a well grounded conviction based on on, on spiritual sight. You know, you know, I I have a, a sense just to look at one final example, um, just to to end this session this morning, and that is in Hebrews chapter eleven. In Hebrews chapter 11, let's start with verse 24. It said it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. For he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept going on, or he kept right on going, because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death will not kill They are firstborn sons. The Bible is describing faith and the evidence of faith. And the things that Moses did, the things that he turned his back on, the things that he pursued and embraced, was based on what he had seen. What he had seen. He says he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. He had had an engagement with spiritual substance. He had entered into an engagement with a different reality. It had produced a well-founded confidence and conviction. Uh, and it was that conviction that, that, that from which he acted and, and from which he took his cue as he kept his focus on that which is invisible. That is what faith is. That's where faith begins. And it is out of the ground of this kind of faith. A faith that is based on a well-grounded conviction that will begin to grow up into the real life, uh, into the real abundant life of God. So as we as we enter, as we walk in the light of a new day, and as we are as we are moving into this dimension of building kingdom institutions, and recognize that we are the ones upon whom the end of the ages have come. It is important that the foundation of our actions are based on a well-grounded conviction, based on engagement with spiritual reality, based on things we have seen in the spirit. And when I say seen in the spirit, um, I, I mean we have come into an awareness of substance concerning us. We're coming to an awareness of, of the reality of what God has made available to us, who we are, who he has called us. Through engagement with his word, through engagement with his prophetic word, through engagement with his spirit. The the, the word of prophecy you have received goes beyond a prophetic word to becoming an identity of who you are. The the word of the Lord that you have seen in scripture, uh, that you have discovered about yourself in scripture, goes beyond a great revelation to becoming a template, an identity issue from which you frame the way you see yourself on the inside. Uh, uh, and you will not move forward until, uh, until you have engaged that to a place where you are fully convinced. That's where faith begins to grow. That is where actions that are of the measure that overcome begin to spring forth. Because remember, Matthew eleven twelve makes it very clear that from the time of John the Baptist, the New Living Translation says, until now, The kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of of heaven advances forcefully, forcefully, forcefully. You see, we're going to come against pressure. And that is why it must be a church that is founded on conviction, that is, that has engaged with spiritual reality. Because we will will advance in spite of, we will advance in spite of. We make an advancement of the kingdom forcefully. And wicked men will attack. Hallelujah, Wicked men will attack. as the temperature increases, as the operation of our dimension increases in temperature, the vipers will come and fasten themselves onto our hands, but they will find that their are poison will find no place in us, because we will become a people of fire and a people of power, a people who are fueled by spiritual illumination and therefore cannot be discouraged. Uh, by the chiding and the and the words and the and the machinations of men. Yeah, those are the people that will make forceful advancement. Hallelujah. We are not gonna define, we're not gonna draw a cue of what is possible from what people tell us from how things look, because we have seen ahead and we have laid hold of that which the Lord has already given us. Hallelujah. Well, this is a good foundation for us for, for us to start with. as we we look into this ascendant faith that overcomes the world. Thank you so much for joining us um, this morning. Um, God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Amen.